It's, uh, it's so beautiful and awesome when two of your daughters are up singing, both pregnant, singing, because you know when a pregnant woman sings, the baby is singing and dancing and leaping. Something I can never do is sing and have a baby dance in my womb. So the pregnant women, yes, celebrate and dance. And at the same time, worship's going on. One of my sons comes over and prophesies over me and speaks words of life into his dad. So I want to tell you something. I'm a little wrecked already. A little bit losing my voice already because I was yelling too much in the prayer line. You see, God brought the Israelites into the promised land for a purpose and a reason, I believe truly, to give a very clear directive to you and me. It was written in the Bible for a reason. Not every story that has happened has been written in the Bible. Matter of fact, God's speaking so much that the word's very clear that if every word was recorded, there'd be the world is not big enough to hold the books. See, he didn't just speak these words. These are the foundational roots of the word. He's speaking today. He's speaking to you. If we don't believe that, then we're going to have a dead Christian faith. And I might, have been, I might have grown up in one of those dead Christian faiths that believe that God doesn't speak. But I want to tell you what. I'm so glad my ears can hear, eyes can see, and mouth can speak of the goodness of God. Amen. When we look at the Israelites, we all know that, yes, they got rescued out of captivity. They went into the desert. We all know that if they could have just walked a straight line in the course they should have walked, they could have made it, some scholars say, within three to six weeks, eight weeks across the desert. When Sharon and I were over with our Russian churches and we visited Israel together, it was amazing. Being able to see that exact desert, we drove it in a bus in about an hour and a half or two hours or whatever it was, but that exact same desert, I'm thinking, how on earth could they spend 40 years in that desert? Like they literally were walking in circles. When they have a cloud of fire and a pillar of fire and a cloud of, what's it? No, I'm getting it backwards. A cloud... Huh? Pillar of fire, cloud by day, right? Cloud at day, fire at night. That's right. Oof. Had to think there. I'm going for the fire every day, but personally, that's okay. Actually, I want to be a cloud. I want us to be a cloud of his presence and us to walk as fire day and night. You see, because we have Holy Spirit, we have presence of God. Israelites, they were still working in old covenant law. We get to work in new covenant law, which has to have an understanding of the greatness God sees in every one of us. He does not take pleasure seeing you in a desert. You know, God, some people, I'm, I know I'm jumping around because I just can't get onto this here right now. Some people feel that they're being punished and God takes pleasure in punishment because of their sin or the what they did. I just want to declare to you that is absolutely not true. God does not sit on his throne looking to punish his, the people he loves. I do not sit, when my kids were, when they were younger, Sharon and I did not sit in, on the chair watching them, just waiting for them to screw up because we were so excited to punish them. Are you kidding me? 
He's a good, good father. <laughs> you know, when we grab some of these understandings in a greater area, there's a prosperity that starts to overflow in your lives. It's mind-boggling. I want to share something. I just, I, the power of testimony is so big. And this last few weeks, we've rotated vehicles and sold things. And I have people this afternoon coming to buy a camper. Or look, oh, I'm prophesying to them, buy a camper. They're going to look at the camper and whatnot. But uh, the interesting thing was, yesterday afternoon after Mallory, because it's her 21st birthday weekend, she's 21 tomorrow. And so Sharon was putting together, working with the kids, and and we surprised her. uh, When she got off work, um, she works at Mount Lehman Starbucks, like Starbucks is a holy place, Tim Hortons. The question, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But anyways, uh, so if you're up there and you see Mallory, wave and tell the manager she's amazing. I'm just kidding. But um, uh, so we decided to actually go up to Jones Lake, up, if you know where it is, up near Hope, but you climb up and you actually don't basically need four-wheel drive or all-wheel drive to get up the hills to get there. And so we went up and I'm thinking, long weekend. Yeah, we're going to the lake to try to find a picnic spot Saturday afternoon. Yep. And uh, we're driving out, and there is piles of cars that couldn't make it. They're all parked on the side of the road down there. We're watching one car spinning out. He can't make it. We're all stopped, and we're in four-wheel drive. And, and uh, I'm thinking, there's this many vehicles trying to get up to Jones Lake. Are you kidding me? So we go up. I have not been up there since I was a teenager with my dad. And so that was, that was like two years ago. So... Um, <laughs> And uh, we get up there, and I'm th- we come to the crossroads at Jones Lake, west and east, and I'm like, I don't know. The only road on the map was the east one, but the west one looked inviting too, and I'm thinking, we both stop, we talk amongst the cars, and I'm like, you know what, let's just do west, let's go west, you know. And uh, off we go, we get in there, the campground is packed full, and I'm like thinking, great, where on, how's we even going to get to a beach? We had a a barbecue and a fire pit, and we were all excited, and, and uh, we get down to the bo- little boat launch area, and the water's high, like it's four feet too high, and uh, I guess they probably stopped the, the outflow because it's a, a water, I want to say reserve, it's a water storage reservoir, reservoir, and um, we get down there, and we're watching the boats, and the boats are up onto the road area because the parking lot is underwater and there's a sign over there that says day use parking only but it's the water is covering the ground but there's these two picnic tables right over there and no one's no one's at them and I'm thinking huh I wonder how deep that water is and I just got a new truck (laughs) I wonder how deep the water is so a couple of the guys walk out there to check how deep it is and uh, it's literally because of the high water, it's an island all to itself, like maybe, I don't know, 40 feet by 80 feet size, two picnic tables with its own little beach. Well, we just back that truck right up through the water. People are watching us, and we back it up to the big rocks where the sign says, day use parking only. We had to push a few boats out of the way, but that was okay. And we back up, put the tailgate down, and we unload, and we have the most amazing time. Now, I just want to say, favor and blessing 
with expectation of the goodness of God happens on a daily basis. If we're willing to look and celebrate and praise him in all things. Matter of fact, when we finished up, we had to push a few boats out of the way and drives the truck again. We load it all up, out we go, and they had to use, the bunch had to use the uh, little outhouse there, and it was like one outhouse, and, and uh, so we had to line up because our whole family was waiting. Anyways, I walked back, and there's a whole East Indian group down there, and um, they had watched me in and out. Some were taking pictures of me going in and out of the water, and um, uh, I started talking to them. And their heavy accent, and I said, so where, where's your original country? Where are you from? And they're from India, and they tell me Delhi, and I'm like, oh, I've been to Hyderabad and Gunther, and they're like, really? And we're talking, and yeah, we help send over these containers uh, for disaster relief, and, and we've been over ministering, evangelizing, and they are captive, listening. I want to say on the beach, but it was the, the road we were standing on because the parking lot was flooded. But you, and they, they said, I can't believe you guys got that spot out there. I said, I know, it's amazing, isn't it? They're like, yeah, what? that was just perfect for your family. I said, yeah, we're celebrating one of our daughter's uh, birthdays, and it was just perfect. And they looked at me, and I said, because the favor of God, the true God, is always waiting to present itself on every one of us. What is it that you do? They asked. (laughs) You see, the Israelites, their whole purpose to go to the promised land was to have a land that they owned themselves. You see, they were 400 years in captivity as slaves in Egypt. But you see, they became owners of the desert for 40 years, not God's way, but they weren't listening to God's way. And they spent 40 years, one whole generation in that desert. That became their ownership because they started to listen to their minds and started grumbling amongst each other. Instead of looking at the miraculous, the miracles that are there, they got so used to the fire and the cloud and the manna, and they got so used to shoes and clothes that never wore out, they started to grumble and they started to to complain. And what that looks like today is when we listen to all the garbage, all the stuff, and we let it affect us in such a way that we start to grumble and we start to complain. And immediately, you put yourself in a desert that God says, I have not put you in the desert. I have given you the promises of a promised land, and I want you not to live in a desert. I want you to live in the promises of my promises, says the Lord. The Israelites were to cross that river, and they were were supposed to go and literally displace all of the enemy in the land. You see, the promised land had enemies in it. Matter of fact, Some of the spies came back, and what did they say? There's giants in the land. Well, you know that all those years there were no giants reported in that land until over 400 years later when a little boy had to be called in front of the whole army with a sling and five little stones was the first declaration that there was a giant in the land. But... 
What did the spies, when they went in to the promised land, what did they see? Well, they saw with their fear instead of saw with the truth. And so when we live a life and our eyes see fear instead of truth, you immediately will think it's too big, it's too overwhelming, there's too many enemies, there's too many attacks of the devil, there's, I'm just depressed, I'm sick, I'm scared of everything, I'm fearful of getting a virus or a disease, I'm fearful of getting cancer, I'm fearful of this, I'm fearful of that, I'm fearful of dying, I'm fearful of this. I'm, and you know what? You will create a desert, but the desert will not just be your life. It will be the ones you have a sphere of influence with as well around you. You see, God has called us to influence people. That's the greatest testimony of Jesus Christ on this earth is your influence of Jesus into people around you. How else does Jesus get recognition? How else are, are the miraculous going to happen if you and I will not live in the power of the testimony of the good things that he has done for us, the things that he has gotten us out of, that even though we screwed up, we are successful in his eyes because we are moving out of the screw-up and going forward to where we're going to live the life that God has called us. That power of testimony right there brings a joy, a freedom, and a happiness. If we do not walk out these church doors with a freedom and a joy, it is not God's fault, and it is not my fault, and it is not the fault of this church. It is the fault of your own understanding that, oh, I didn't like that guy yelling. I didn't like that guy's shoes. I didn't even like that guy in skinny jeans. What's he trying to be, an old man in skinny jeans? No, I went shopping with my youngest daughter some years ago, and this is the outcome. You see, we have little ones that are climbing on a floor that we're to lift up and have them climb on our ceiling or our roof so they can go higher and not have to go through all the junk we went through to get where we're at. They need to be able to, to live with the testimony of Ma and Pa and the family of Windward. They need to live there and go higher to pull us all along with them. You see, the promised land has nothing to do about a physical location. It has to do with a mindset, ears, eyes, and mouth in Jesus' name. Those are the promised lands that we're talking about. Now, if you want, we could go down to the Fraser River and stand there on the beach and put your staff in the water and see if it parts. I tell you, that would make headline news. You see, the Israelites were called to go in and not live under the oppression of the giants they thought they saw or think that are there. Like Kevin said, they were too busy looking backwards, scared of Egypt coming to kill them. We aren't called to look backwards. We're called to look forwards. We're called to take the testimony of yesterday and bring it into the miraculous of today. That's our destiny and our calling. And to go across the river and have the waters part and then get into that land, it wasn't about, oh, everything's going to be okay now. No problem. We're in the promises. Everything's good. No, no, there were still enemies there. 
But their purpose was to dispel the enemies and actually bring up houses of worship, revival centers, their plant churches, plant ministries. Their whole purpose was to expand and own the territory and not live in the desert. The Israelites' success to find the promised land was totally dependent on their ability to do what God had been teaching them while they were in the wilderness. You see, a wilderness is not always a bad thing. It's only bad if that's where you build your house. You need AC. You need a water maker of some kind. A wilderness is never where you reside. It is always a season you walk through by the power of God. And when you walk through, you carry the power of learning how you reacted and acted in a wilderness because guess what? God's watching how we respond when a wilderness hits our life. He's looking for ones that are willing to go through the wilderness, cross the river, and get into the promises and start making the houses of worship, houses of prayer, start making their own family, houses of worship, houses of prayer, start making everywhere they go in the restaurant, houses of worship, houses of prayer. Let the miraculous start to happen. Let the miraculous go wherever you put your foot down on the word of God. You put your foot down and you stop that dirty lying devil. You're kicking the devil down into the hell where he belongs. All these Israelites needed to do was follow the manifest presence of God. You see, the fire by night and the cloud by day was to lead them and guide them, but they couldn't even figure that out. Can you imagine? If God told you all you need to do is, fi- is follow the cloud of, of, a cloud of fire, cloud of glory, and the fire of the Holy Spirit, all you need to do is follow that, and it will get you to your promised land. Can you imagine if God's, oh, he did say that. And so if you're not living in the promised land right now, the whole reason is you're too focused on the desert. And God is saying, get out of the desert and get back to the promises. Get back to the promise of God for your purpose and your destiny. It it sounds so simple, doesn't it? But how many in here could honestly say, I need to hear it and believe it and do it? I do too. I I need it every day. My commitment isn't a one-time event. It's kind of like, you know, saying I do to my wife 32 years ago. Oh, it was just it was just a commitment through my mouth and that's all it was about marriage. Well, how many of you know it takes more longer than 32 years to train your wife? Kidding. Kidding. Please, oh, someone's going to cut that and post it, and everyone's going to, I believe that guy said that. The devil worshiper. (laughs) 32 years of a marriage that is more in love today than it was 
with any kind of understanding when we said I do. I didn't know what marriage was when I said I do. I mean, my buddies, my single buddies all said it's like, like death, like a funeral, but I honestly didn't know. I'm like, no, I watched my mom and dad. They had an amazing marriage. It's got to be like that. And you know what? When you make a covenant and a commitment and believe it, it's better than even what your mom and dad celebrated or didn't celebrate in many people's case. I expect the marriages of our kids to be better than mom and dad's marriage. But you see, it just took this. It took the word. Did we ever have desert spells? A little bit, but not that bad. Did things seem dry sometimes? Yeah. But you know what? We both chose not to live in deserts. I tell you what, when we started this ministry and we were on a sailboat down in Mexico and out of finances, out of money, it totally put another faith level into us. When you can pray and cry out with your little kids, let's pray to Jesus, to God. Because we need this amount of money to fix our vehicle. And as soon as we say amen in our little fifth wheel trailer, on our front door, I open it. Are you Brent? Yes, I am. Oh, I'm supposed to give you this. It's a check in a sealed envelope. Not for close to the same amount, but the exact number we had just prayed for to fix our engine, our little Volkswagen van again motor. <laughs> you think you're in a desert? If you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, I declare to you, you're in the promises of God right now. Oh, you might have made some mistakes. I've made one or two in my life. Please, if you're visiting, you know I'm joking. I'm... But a desert, it kills life. I've been in some of the great deserts of the world. Some even where cactus can't even grow. It kills life. And God has never destined. He, his son did not die on that cross and rise from that grave. And his promise of the Holy Spirit that was given to us never, ever was to kill life. But to liberate life. And liberate freedom. To liberate joy of the Lord that is our strength. I've gotten to page two of 26. So we're going to slip down eyes of verses. Exodus three, verse 11. 
Moses said, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Moses himself, Who am I? His miracle of life, even surviving as a child. Such a miracle written into the book. And he was questioning, who am I to go to a king? And his brother Aaron was with him, gave him a little bit of moral support, I think, the two of them together. That's why you and I aren't destined to do it on our own. We need brothers and sisters around us. But you know, it's interesting, I love it. Because in verse 12, God answers Moses, I will certainly be with you. And you might say, who am I to go minister to my neighbor? Who am I? Like, I'm really nervous to go pray for somebody in the, in the store. And God says to each one of us, I will certainly be with you. Matthew 28, 20. These are Jesus' final words of the Great Commission after his resurrection. Jesus declares, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. If that's the case, and you and I choose to open our ears to the lies and the deceiving and create a desert, and you and I are believers, then we're dragging Christ in the desert with us. He'll never live in the desert, but he'll never leave you or forsake you. He'll be with you in your desert. But I guarantee you, the promises of the Word of God were not to live in the deserts. God's presence is among us, and it determines our identity. And this promise also gives us what we need to accomplish His will in our lives. That's the promise of, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Let's all stand. The boomings of the heavens. Lo, I am with you always. I just want each one of us to say, oh God, oh Christ Jesus, I need you more and more in my life. Holy Spirit, invade us with your fire to lead us and guide us and direct us with your presence to fill us and overwhelm us. That we can no longer see a desert around us. Instead, we see promised territories and promised lands. I pray here this morning, oh God, that we will slam our ears and our eyes shut of the ways of this world. And we will open our eyes and open our ears to the ways of your kingdom come and your will be done. 
I see lightnings and fire shooting from the heavens in the spiritual realm. It is the one time it's good to be struck by the lightnings of God. <laughs> I even see in the spirit right now oceans that seem so big you could never cross. They were drowning you sometimes in unforgiveness, in confusion. I see the oceans parting in the spiritual realm right now. And as you look, you'll see that you thought they were thousands of feet deep, but they're inches deep. That's all it took. Just start walking across. Start walking out of the lies, out of the attack, out of the desert. I pray, O oh Lord, that we will hear your voice. We will follow your ways. We will speak your words. And we will live in your promises. For we are sons and daughters of you, O Father, adopted in by the blood of a slain lamb on the cross of Calvary with resurrected power that defeated death, defeated the lies, defeated the enemies. For those arrows have no right to sting us anymore in Jesus' name. I can see arrows that have been stuck in people's backs and sides and heads and it's like the angelic realm just yanking them out saying, no more! feel like the voice of the Lord is saying, let my people go. <laughs> I pray for a renewed and transformed mind for each one of us, that we will start to have a greater understanding of the mind of Christ Jesus in us. Uh, kidney, left kidney healed in Jesus name uh, joint pain arthritis out now in Jesus name sounds like a crazy thing to pray for but hair loss I can see it hair that was being lost coming back in Jesus name The Lord is saying, don't worry about your hair. Don't let your hair put you in a desert. Don't worry about your wrinkles. Look at them as a sign of wisdom that you overcame the stress that caused them. <laughs> I actually see the makeup artist. I've never seen this before. It's like the, some, some, some angelic being or presence in heaven just 
wiping them all gone, the wrinkles. Can you imagine? We, oil of Olay would disappear. I'm not speaking against oil of Olay. I just, I think the oil of heaven's better. <laughs> I'm kind of drunk in the spirit a little bit right now, but. Whew. Yes, Lord, you are so good, God, and we love you so much. Father God, every Sunday we come with a plan, and the plan is you, you, you. <laughs> yeah, it's you, Father. Holy Spirit, it's you. Oh, our, our groom, Jesus, it's you. <laughs> yeah. I hear the voice of the Lord speak. For I have called you as a family to make it into the promises today in another level, says the Lord. I have called your family to prepare because many that don't know what a family is are on their way, says the Lord. So be ready and be prepared. can see the churches of this valley swelling, the ones that are truly on fire for God, going after his presence, filling to the capacities and overwhelming the church structures, the buildings <laughs> into Washington states, the whole west coast, from west to east, east to west. good friend of mine, Bill Prankerts, gave a very strong prophetic word about the revival in Canada years ago, spent his life pouring into it. He reached out to me, and we're going to be having him in here shortly, and just about revival, about revival, about revival, and the healing revival rising up in our great nation called Canada. There's a season of revival leaders that are letting up the things of differences and instead joining together in the things of the Word. I pray, O oh God, that there's a new fresh unity rising up in the churches and the ministries of this nation. If there is no striving to build your own it's just an open willingness to be a son, to be a daughter of the King. To the unborn children, we're going to create a foundation. We're going to be and live foundation of the word so these unborn children have truth instead of lies have freedom instead of captivity have teaching the word instead of teaching blasphemy and abomination I pray, oh God, 
that we as parents, as grandparents, as people, will shut the deserts down. To start living life more abundantly with the wisdom of your word, power of your spirit. Blessed are the waymakers. Each one of you and I must be waymakers. Each one of you and I are waymakers. Just which way are you making? Deserts or promised lands? declare today promised lands in Jesus name you see when you're a promised land you become an oasis in the desert And people come to drink. Let's all declare audibly, I'm a promised land on this couch. I'm a promised land. Any lies get out in Jesus' name. I live in the promises, (laughs) the living word of God. To go forth into our communities, into our jobs, into our workplaces, into our neighborhoods, to go forth as a promised land oasis. In Jesus' name. He's the way maker. And he's in you and me. So we can declare, I'm a way maker. Yell it out right now. I'm a way maker. In Jesus' name. And all the people said, amen, amen. Remember the promises. They bring the presence and the fire filled with favor, blessings, and wisdom to be waymakers. Amen.